this is Drive with Sam Piper, ESPN Radio 93.5. Derek Piper, guest co-host Joey Wagner of AlanaInquire.com. Jay's gone, right? He's he's out of the building? He's out of the building. I was going to have a monster before I came out. I was a little tired. Uh, like, man, yep, you know, it was yep, a long yep. day yesterday, doubleheader. Jay Lehman is a walking monster. He, he is a walking <laughs> energy drink, man. I am I am awake. I'm ready to go. That, that What energy Jay Lehman has? It's definitely something you feed off of or get uh, just gobbled up by, I guess, if you're not ready for it. But, uh, yeah, no, we're we're very fortunate it's to have best. him every Monday. He, he is the best. He's one of a kind and uh, can break it down in terms of X's and O's and just great insight from his playing days as an analyst. Uh, even you get the historical breakdown of why the Big Ten at one point was a, a lot better in terms of athletes than maybe the SEC and how that's changed. So uh, you never know what you're going to get with Jay Lamb. You just know it's going to be great. And today delivered as always. does, man. He's it was fun. I, the, the recruiting stuff was really interesting to me. And, I, I had no idea where we were going to go there. That's the great thing. We, we, we kind of, as we're talking pre-show, you know, what do you want to hit on with Jay? There's, there's no Illinois game to break down. And we're like, Oh, you know, we, we have some ideas. Obviously we want to talk Isaiah, but, uh, with Jay, you know you're going to stumble into something, and that was just a perfect example. Yeah, that was fun. He was – recruiting for this was just really interesting to me because a coach is – and he's right, there is a science. you got to decide who's going to want to do it. Uh, you know, Brett Bielema said last week that, you know, they've been hosting defensive line transfers and, and getting some commitments along that front. And Johnny Newton, who before he went to Florida or goes to Florida, whatever his, his route is right now in transit, would stop by and, and talk to some of these guys and – like, that's the stuff that maybe Johnny didn't host him for a whole weekend, but to have Johnny Newton, who's going to be a top, well, let's just say a first-round pick, it's probably it's going to be higher than that um, in, in terms of probably the top 15 or so. To have him come in there and have that messaging like that, doesn't matter they didn't have two days with him, 20 minutes, an hour, whatever mm-hmm. it is with yeah. Johnny Newton's probably a pretty, pretty resonating message. I would imagine so, yeah, absolutely. I was admittedly thinking of which – which kind of person they'd be trying to pair me with on a recruiting visit. Definitely. If you look at our Illini inquire road trips, uh, I, I think the, the party animals might be our, our group, Joey. I, I don't know. Not to, not to out us on live radio, but maybe I just did. Uh, we don't get after it too crazy. Just, you know, pretty chill. A couple sodas. Always have the content. Always have the yeah, content. You, you that's, the work. that's the, that's and, the end um, of the day story there. <laughs> no doubt about that. Speaking of working on the basketball side, there was a game yesterday, two games really. Uh, you look at the men's and women's doubleheader at State Farm Center. Uh, unfortunately, Shauna Green's team falls short against Missouri in the Bragging Rights game. Uh, Brad Underwood's squad in the the first one, getting it done against Colgate. It was really a, a game that we circled as soon as the schedule came out as one of, okay, this is a tricky mid-to-low mid major team, regardless of however you want to categorize them. Uh, been a squad that's gone to the tournament each of the last – Three years, three or four years. Four years. Uh, yeah, outside of the 2020 cancellation, yeah. yeah. I know they would have missed it that year, but because there was no tournament, so they've actually made it the last four tournaments. Uh, a team that's always shot the three really well. And, uh, you know, as Brad talked about, they with this particular squad has a lot of size, uh, which kind of is just different from what you typically associate with a mid or low major team. Uh, I think the great thing is that Brad and his staff really emphasized – how good they were all in that lead up. Uh, and I, I wrote about this and we talked about it uh, around this game. And then afterwards, we, we spoke about it. And we, by the way, we'll get you some of that uh, as we go along. But it fe- I felt better about this team handling that with the finals week, 
with the the layoff, with the fact of okay, we go from playing FAU in the Garden to at Tennessee, and now we're at home on a on a a, a noon early tip. When, and Missouri's next. Yeah, Missouri's next, and Joey and I want to be watching our football teams play. Well, I guess no, we don't. Maybe not. Not anymore. <laughs> Long story short, it was a a mature response because we've seen some Atlanta teams go sleepy eyed in the end of their home building against a, a lesser opponent. Illinois jumped on this one, fourteen zip before. The media for it, the first media timeout. Yeah, it, w- there's two two points I want to make because I was trying to to you know write this out today a little bit. They treated this like an NCAA tournament game. Coleman Hawkins said this is a very three fourteen type matchup, a, a four thirteen type matchup. Uh, the, a noon tip is very possible in the NCAA tournament. They, they really approached this with that mindset, and, and they came out fast. And that wasn't the case earlier in the year against worse teams, right? You had right. the stat yeah. after Oakland where it's like they. Didn't lead much in those. I think first it was like three eight games. minutes of the first, in the first half between three games. So sixty minutes there, they, they led for eight minutes against Eastern, Oakland, and Valpo. And that wasn't coming off the three game stretch and ahead of Missouri. This game had a little bit, and Penn State last year was much better, I, I think, than this um, Colgate team. Sure, but remember the and Brad talked about it. I remember that Penn State, that first Penn State loss. He said, "I circled this. I knew." You just played Texas at the Garden. I knew this was going to be a game, and it was. And it was a letdown game, a very, very deflating game for this team. And you wondered, you, you did wonder, and you, you saw how they built this team with old guys, and, and what, you know, both physically, which obviously Brad Underwood's talked a lot about, but mentally and kind of having been there, and to not have that response. And again, there's a different level in teams there, but I'm curious your thought about that. And just if those two are – are close to apples to apples comparisons from, from that Penn State game last year to this Colgate game. Yeah, I think you can use that game. I think you can use the Alabama A and M game where that. Oh, really the is, Matthew Meyer post game, uh, the explosive press conference. Yeah, where I, I was looking back at that, I just knew that it was a close game against one of the the lower ranked teams in Division One. What I had forgotten is Illinois was actually up seventeen at the half, then let Alabama A and M storm all the way back and cut it to one oh, with about ten call. minutes to go. Uh, so they came out faster in that game. They just let their foot off the gas and uh, lost focus uh, in that one. So uh, I, I think it, there, you can that's a better comparison. Parallel it to that one, although Colgate much better than that Alabama A and M team. That is that was also to kind of bring up that comparison. Those are both the games that happened after finals week. But I, I think the Penn State game is is a fair uh, example as well because. Colgate falling somewhere in between. I would argue they're closer to Penn State in terms of you look at their Ken Palm ranking. You know, they're in the the 110s, the 120s. Penn State, a a team that made it into the NCAA tournament last year. So uh, they're a lot better than Alabama A&M was. But, yeah, it just seemed like, I think for a couple of reasons, like you said, you assemble it with older guys. They're, They're more mature in terms of their, their preparation, just their mindset. Um, and I think this team is, is still feeling like they got more to prove. Like I think you uh, hit on it after the FAU game of, of Marcus Damask was like, yeah, th- you know, we're happy about this win. We love our performance, but this is not where we want to be. We're not throwing a parade because we won in the garden. Uh, so uh, I think that that shows that this team is still hungry. They're not satisfied. And it is also tied to just the fact, I think, that Terrence Shannon is that assertive follow-my-lead guy this year. I mean, he splashes yeah. a three – on Illinois' first offensive possession, he's going as that freight train downhill in that game. Uh, he was spectacular in the first half. He's swatting things left and right, has a chase down block that leads to a goody three. 
he's just doing everything now in that in the second half offensively he kind of he slowed down he didn't score uh, but then and that also points to a team that you know Quincy Garrier steps up Damask helps you close it out with his uh, ability on a night where he didn't or on a day when he didn't play all that well mm-hmm. leading up to it was able to still be calm and composed and get you those points in the final four minutes so uh, I think there's a lot that bakes into the recipe but I do give credit to the maturity of the team Brad for having his team ready and then also Terrence for being that guy that that leads the way as an alpha well, I wanted to ask you about that and I think the answer is Terrence Shannon and and his ability to find his voice as the leader the the no doubt leader of this team and I think he would tell you he didn't feel like he did a good enough job a year ago doing that but this team we've seen so far and there's still a lot of time left and I know everyone's now zooming in on Missouri because of everything that like you should not be in that team very frequently but they seem to do a good job or I think a good job is fair of straddling the line like when we asked them hey what'd you guys learn from this week of three straight games Brad Underwood Ty Rogers, Coleman Hawkins, Quincy Garrier all said, yeah, we're good. We're good. Mm-hmm. But they do, I, I think, and I think it comes back to Terrence Shannon, they do a good job of, of recognizing that and straddling the line between we think we're good, we know we're good, and also we're not throwing a party because we won at the Garden. And I, I think that finding that balance is, is part of the recipe that missed a year ago, which is why I think Terrence Shannon's evolution into this vocal leader, this, this follow me along, this I.O junior year type of personality they're they're able to do that I don't know if, if you think similarly or not I do think so I do think they're guys that obviously set the tone with their work ethic you saw the video I mean I wrote a story about it back in the summer of hey this is a guy that you know we're, we're begging Terrence to take a day off it's it's June and he's still showing up every day at at five in the morning and, and yeah they, they did the day in the life video that came out uh that shows I mean that's that it's Something that, in terms of a preparation or routine, that a lot of guys aren't willing to do. Uh, so I think that kind of sets the sets the foundation of, of of work ethic. I know that Underwood has really praised what Marcus Damas does there, and I think just in general, you got a lot of hardworking guys on this team. Uh, but Terrence willing to be more vocal. I mean, you could see it. You can see Terrence in games is is obviously more engaged in terms of talking to teammates and just his play. I think that in the off season we talked about maybe sometimes. Coleman almost can be a guy that feels like more natural uh, as a talker versus mm-hmm. maybe Terrence is the guy that lead by example with his play. And I just feel like he's he's coming out and attacking people. And, and that's just kind of the way that the IO did it, that hey, you know, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna do my thing and everybody's gonna follow my lead. And I think that there is that that maturity and uh, you know, look, the, the difference is like Io got to do it early in his career, so I, I think maybe, and I don't blame anybody for wondering. I wondered it too. You know, is Terrence going to be that guy even coming back this year? Expected, you know, the talent wise to be there, but he, Io got to experience that from freshman year, sophomore year, and it was really the middle of his sophomore year and on where it's like, okay, he's the dude. He's going to be a guy that we, you know, he's been through some some failures. He's taken some last second shots that didn't go in, or, you know, he's even had his moments where he had to learn to do that as a freshman. Yeah. I had to learn to be in that role as a freshman. I don't think it was as easy as he made it look on the right. outside. He was, wasn't he, didn't he sit out again? Cause he's late for shoot around like as a freshman. Yeah. And if you remember his freshman year, I think Mizzou was not, it was not good. It was not a good experience. Him, no. I think Maui was a really big learning curve for him. So the, I feel like leadership is that thing where everyone's just like, well, come on, right? Like, why can't 
Yeah. Every, and like, I get it. I, I understand like from the outside looking in, but there, there's a lot of elements that go into that. And, and I, I think it's sometimes it just takes time. Terrence Shannon wasn't asked to be that before he got to Champagne, mm-hmm. And he comes in and, and, you know, I credit to him. He's found it and he's found that voice. I think everyone is, is following suit. Absolutely. So now him getting experience at last year, obviously finding points of, and he's been very self reflective and critical of himself of, of what he could have done last year. You know, he had a quote, whether it was early this season or right before it of, Hey, you know, I didn't, I didn't speak up in practice when guys weren't doing the right thing last year. I didn't, uh, I didn't take enough ownership or enough of, you know, pulling the reins to me. And I admittedly, and I don't, I don't, I come back to him, uh, sometimes and I don't want to act like he's the only, he was the only issue last year. I just feel like Terrence and Matthew Meyer kind of butted heads a little bit last year. I feel like they were different styles of guys in terms of, Two guys that were supposed to be alphas. Matt made it pretty clear he didn't want to be a leader at all. Uh, and look, look, we've talked to people around the program that they would tell you that Matt was not even close to the only issue. And I, I'm not, I'm not peddling that. I really never have said, you know, if not for Matthew Meyer, last year would have done just fine. Actually, without him, you wouldn't have gone to the tournament. Right. So, um, but I remember also, uh, it, it also brings up on the note of that press conference. One of Matt's big sticking points was like I thought I think that Brad's pushing us too hard. I thought that you know Brad and practice is, is wearing us out. Now now Matt had his own situation because he was battling through some health stuff. Where this year, prior to the Rutgers game, it sounded like Brad beat the heck out of him. Not not literally, but like really grinded. It, it, it sounded like a lot of running was involved in that. Yeah, really grinded him out in practice. And I love the Justin Harmon quote. Well, we talked to him, I think it was after FAU, or maybe it was before FAU. It was FAU. after FAU, yep. And he's like, you know, we went to Rutgers just wanting to take our anger out on somebody. And Terrence Shannon set the stage for that before they went out to Rutgers. Remember, he was like, no, this was not a fun week. <laughs> yeah, this was right. – he, Brad really pushed – Coach Brad, as he, as he calls Brad Underwood, really pushed, pushed us all week. And I, I think when he – and it's not just him. It, it sounds like everyone was kind of bought into that. Okay, like let, let's do this. But when, when your best players there and not kind of, you know, we're working too hard or whatever the case may be, I yeah. think I think that message resonates all the way around. Yeah. Uh, let's look at a couple of different angles from the game yesterday. Coleman Hawkins has a season high sixteen points. You did have nice balance in terms of four guys in double figures. Coleman was sixteen. Quincy Garrier continues some nice momentum offensively, 15 points and only six shots for him uh, to go with seven rebounds. Damask had 15 points. I mentioned uh, got a lot of that late, nine of his 15 in the final four minutes. Uh, and Terrence Shannon, all 14 of his in the first half. Uh, he also had five blocks to go with that. So uh, a nice ability to, to have older guys within your starting lineup for your five starters to be in that 14 to 16 point range. Uh, I'm not going to say it's going to happen like that all the time, uh, as we know. I mean, FAU, was, it was Terrence and Damask. But uh, great to see Coleman come on a little bit more offensively. Really great to see Quincy just play with this much confidence. And, and now he's making shots from the outside, which he w- wasn't making th- for the first couple of weeks. Yeah, I kind of zoom out a little bit with especially Coleman and Quincy and look at the last two games. I thought they were both pretty good at Tennessee big reason why you're up at halftime that's right and I think those two Coleman getting back and healthy and getting back into this this rhythm both, both on both sides of the ball he makes a lot of things go like I understand like this this guy gets a lot of there's a lot of conversation always around Coleman Hawkins but he does a lot he, he really does he and he does a, he takes shots that you're like oh uh, uh, boy 
But but he does so much more, and I think him and Quincy coming on in the way that they have, because you you know what you're going to get out of Terrence Sheehan. Like you can almost pencil in eighteen and six as some sort of baseline for him. Uh, Marcus Domask has been a little, you know, the FAU game was just an incredible high. But when you start to get these two guys producing the way they have, stretching the floor the way that they have, they've shot fairly well. I mean, I, all things considered, you know, they're, they're bigs. They, I think that their shooting out there has really helped change things. Quincy's ability to get to the rim. Like, those two have elevated their play these last two games. And I think, to me, that's the biggest sign of optimism moving forward is the way that those two have have kind of kind of found it there alongside each other and within this team. Yeah, and I think that's why this this year's team has a higher ceiling in my opinion. And look, we know the story of last year, so it's not like, oh man, what a what a scalding take. Last year's team lost in the first round and this team has a higher ceiling. But uh <laughs> the idea of I just think the supporting cast is that much better. Not only is Terrence taking his game to another level, but I think the supporting cast is older obviously and just more reliable. I, I think it definitely can be the way that Gary A is coming along, uh, we know what Coleman's capable of. We, I, I think regardless, I think we get we get caught saying it a lot, and it is true, regardless of what it gives you offensively, he's going to be pretty impactful defensively. I do think he's just so important, though, of taking that, another, that next step or two offensively. If he can be someone that gives you double figures, if he can be a guy that cuts down on those ill-advised shots uh, where, you know, you'll take – He'll take six for 14. You know, that, that's right there around 50%. I know he had four turnovers, but so did Terrence. I think that's sometimes what people forget is like yes. Coleman has just put himself in a category, some of his own doing, some of I think he does get hyper-criticized, uh, where he'll have plays and you're like, man, that's just that's such a bad decision or such a sloppy play or, or whatever. But, but Terrence, for as great as he is, he's going to drive into traffic where he might turn it over. He might lose the ball or he might charge it at one point. And I think, you know, Terrence gets evaluated a little bit differently. Again, Coleman has to get to uh, a level of consistency that Terrence has built. He's built a, a great level of consistency right now, which has not been Coleman's MO offensively ever yet. He has not been a consistent offensive, uh, you know, presence. But I do like the last two games. He seems more confident. He seems a little bit more comfortable. And he's making those in-rhythm shots from the outside that, are really important when you're going to play a spaced out five out offense and you're trying to free up the lane for Terrence, you're trying to free up the lane for Marcus DeMass to post and him making those shots along with Quincy are, are, are big. He had a couple little runners yesterday that I liked that I really thought that can be effective. I, I think you look at the turnovers with those two, I've been trying to figure out because the conversation feels different when, when, if the turnover numbers are all the same, a lot of Terrence Shannon's feel like, and maybe you, you've, observed differently Derek he drives to the rim it goes off his leg out of bounds mm -hmm. and it's a dead ball and then they have to inbound and go some of Coleman Hawkins feel like more live ball turnovers that that allows the other team to get out and run and I think that might change the the view of how those how those are perceived yeah no I agree with that there was a I don't remember if it was I, I think it was the Coleman Hawkins against Tennessee, he like whips it over yes, his head. Trying and to that, go in the corner. Did that yeah. not lead to a three by connect like right away? It may have. And I, that, that's the difference. I think that's what like the, the perception of some of those, uh, you, sh you should look at it a little bit differently. But but yeah, I mean, Terrence Shannon, as good as he is, and I think you're right also, the offensive consistency with him, you, you kind of forgive a little bit some of mm -hmm. those. Uh, but it's also, it's, I mean, I've seen the same turnover from him a hundred times, it feels like, where he goes off his leg yeah. out of bounds, and, yeah. and that's that, and they go the other way. But the team's not getting out in transition on those. Right, and, and even if it is a dead ball, 
I just think it's sometimes maybe the way that, that Coleman tries to uh, – a no-look pass, mm-hmm. a a step-back three, which I wish, for as much as I love to look at synergy stats, I wish there was a stat for step-back, uh, you know, off-the-dribble type of step-back. I mean, it's just – to be honest, it's a shot that he has not made at a high rate throughout his career. But uh, on the other side of the coin is that – You'll live with some of that, or or just you'll live with him missing a couple. I know some people said, uh, you know, this is going to shock you, Joey, but not everybody agreed with my player grades no. yesterday. That um, you know, there maybe there's a time around the rim where where Coleman didn't finish strong through contact or, or lost the ball, but uh, whatever it may be, whether there be a couple of plays you that he'd like to have back. Which look, you could say that about probably everybody, almost every player, and especially guys that are a high volume type of guys. If he's going to defensively have as many deflections as he has, I thought he walled up pretty well in the post. He's going up against, uh, you know, it's records, Keegan records for uh, Colgate, who's the preseason player of the year in the Patriot League. And I thought, you know, he records has nine points. I thought Coleman had a lot to do with that. Uh, and then, like you said, to make some shots around the basket, which I think he can do more of. You know, Marcus Damask, and kind of to lead into another point, isn't the only guy that can post up. I think Coleman has had a little bit more opportunities in the mid-post type of area. There's going to be times where whether you get caught in some different switches where he's going to be on a smaller guy. And even if you're just kind of trying to draw a defense, trying to draw attention where he can then kick it out when no Coleman's a good passer, when he's making good decisions, uh, he can do a lot for you. So uh, his ability to try to build on this, get some more confidence, be if he could be a double-figure guy more nights than not, that would just be huge uh, to, to give that support to Terrence Shannon, to give you another guy that you can rely on. Yeah, I agree. And I think he's, his hockey assists, I, I wish those were a basketball stat because right. I, I yeah. feel like he's does a good job of that. And I, I understand that there are frustrating moments with him, but I, I really do think the way that he and Quincy have played in these last two games tells you a lot about where this team can go. I wrote about today the post-up nature. And Brad gave some good stuff. I, I mentioned I, I got to download that and get, get you – a few of those clips before we get out of here. Brad gave some good answers as far as, and look, it's not a surprise about one of the areas of inspiration that that drew that he drew upon with getting some some of his own booty ball going with Illinois. Uh, Jalen Pickett, of course, and, and we heard a lot about that through the offseason, kind of as Ty Rogers is settling into point guard, which admittedly Ty hasn't had a ton of, which I do want to mention him because he had a really good start to this game. He hasn't had a lot of things run through him offensively. It hasn't seemed like there hasn't been a lot of, all right, Ty dribbles down, just starts backing down the point guard from the three-point line and, or whatever it may be. But there is the ability to post a number of different guys on this team. Damask has obviously done really well with that uh, and did it especially late uh, on Sunday. Ty can do it some. Uh, even Terrence tried to post it. It didn't work, work out in terms of a, a made basket, but uh, I know Brad's mentioned that's something that he can do. Quincy can do it. There is the Penn State uh, inspiration. There's also a Jay Wright, which uh, Brad mentioned yesterday, Villanova. And going back into looking at their stats, number one, they were always one of the top offensive efficiency groups in the, in the country. And Jay liked to post his guards. Jalen Brunson was one of those. I know it's a name that a lot of fans don't always love hearing. But uh, uh, Jalen Brunson, um, you, you know, they, they've had some wings that they would, would use in that as well. But uh, being able to space it out and it was usually Jay Wright would have kind of non-traditional centers 
who could shoot the three that you, you put a guy in the in the post or they're you know trying to hunt a matchup and I, I love that about what Illinois is trying to really do is, is play matchup ball it's a lot of you know you see it in the NBA a ton uh, Illinois is trying to take advantage of matchups May, if if you want to send help to you know combat that matchup you're going to leave a guy open and especially when Quincy and Coleman are shooting threes like this that's where it makes Illinois that much harder to guard because if you send that help you got shooters all spaced around the the perimeter yeah we we've watched Brad and heard Brad talk for years about we want to create a positional length is a lot of what he discusses right and to, to do that you want to create matchup problems and now they're just building their offense to take advantage of these matchup problems they've collected, whether it be in, in high school recruiting, uh, Ty Rogers, namely in the transfer portal with Terrence Shannon and Marcus Damask. You're seeing that. And like now you, you're, you're blending these ideas together. And that's why, you know, I, Terrence Shannon is going to be the leading scorer every night. I, let's say 95% of the time is probably a better way to put that. Yep. But I don't know that you can say so-and-so is going to be the second leading scorer 60% of the time, right? Because the, the rest of this is about hunting those matchups, finding that spot. And you saw Marcus Domas do it against FAU. I thought Quincy did a really good job of it at Tennessee when, when he had that big, the five on him and he was yep. able to shoot and get out there. So that's what I think the, there's a lot more versatility isn't probably the word I'm looking for variance with, with, with who's going to be that second best player every single night in terms of, of stat productivity. And, and that's because a lot of what you said with matchups and that ability to get down there and, and post players up at the rate that they do with the volume of, of different guys that they do. No, that's a really good point. Uh, we do got to catch a break. If you want to weigh in, any thoughts on Illinois basketball who rose up to number 13 in the AP poll today? That's the highest Illinois has been ranked since late in that 21-22 season when they were on their chase for a Big Ten regular season title. So, uh, a nice mark for Illinois to hit. I do want to give, before we get out of here, the Big Ten a little love, uh, as we will do uh, before this, the end of the show. It was a good weekend for the Big Ten, and I talked about it last week, how I was concerned about Illinois' resume-building potential within the league if things continue to trend in the way that it was. Michigan State is a below 500 team. Uh, some of those other squads within the league uh, really struggling, but uh, Michigan State with a big win against Baylor, who was number six in the country. Ohio State beating UCLA, Nebraska getting a win at Kansas State. Now they've won two in a row, including a win uh, at home against Michigan State in, in Big Ten play. Purdue obviously uh, looking fantastic against Arizona in a number one versus number three matchup in Indianapolis. So uh, a very good weekend for the Big Ten. We can talk more about that before we get out of here. But do got to catch a break. Stick with us. More Illini Hoops talk when we return. This is The Drive. Crossroads Contractor Supply specializes in the delivery of tools and supplies within a 150-mile radius of Champaign-Urbana. Reliable, timely, and with reasonable prices, Crossroads Contractor Supply knows what equipment and tools are needed for your job. Their slogan, we have it when you need it. Get the job done right with proper tools and equipment. Did something break? Construction materials as well as safety equipment all available. Call 402-8123. Visit Crossroads Contractor Supply IL.
You have money laying all around your house. You just don't know it. And no, I don't mean selling your great grandma's good china. I mean all the old metal items you don't want to use or get rid of. Don't pay someone to haul it away. Bring it into Max Twin City Recycling and get paid to have it taken off your hands. They love new customers and are more than willing to walk you through their process step by step. Come check them out at 2808 North Lincoln Avenue in Urbana. Hey, could you tell me what aisle your car batteries are in? Sure, I'll go grab one for you. Here's your battery. It might be expired, but oh well. Also, the brand isn't that great, but it should work for at least a year or two, maybe. Anyways, I went ahead and charged you for it, and here's the battery. Okay, have a great day. Uh, what just happened? Sometimes good things are hard to find, but they're worth the wait. Make the trip out to Interstate All Battery Center at 2504 North Madison Avenue and get all of your battery needs taken care of by the trusted professionals. Give them a call today at 355-4855. Don't miss your chance to cheer on Fighting Illini basketball this season. Deafening in here, 15,000, another shutout. We need all of Illini Nation to help us defend State Farm Center. And Illinois overcomes their largest deficit of the season. Great seat locations are still available for you to see Illinois basketball live this season. The Illini win it! Get your tickets today at FightingIllini.com. Reach your savings goals. Busey Bank CD Specials can help. Watch your money grow with competitive rates and offers. Visit busey.com backslash CD rates. Visit your local service center or call 1-800-67-BUSEY today. Busey Bank, building business, growing wealth since 1868. From computer systems to bricks and tires too, at PDR, fixing cars is what they do. Remember, when you turn the key and the car won't run, call 367-9481 or use their dedicated text-only line at 383-0619. Additional information including repair quotes and online scheduling requests available from the website at pdrauto.com. Remember, they are what's best for your truck or car. They are PDR. Back on the drive with Sam Piper, ESPN Radio 93.5. Derek Piper, Joey Wagner, riding with you today. Let's uh, continue our conversation as far as Illinois basketball goes. I mentioned before the break, rising up three spots in the AP poll. The net ranking looks pretty good right now, number 14. Although right now, still only one quad one win. You need Rutgers. Come on, Rutgers. A couple of wins here uh, going you know, December into January. Can maybe boost them back into the top 75. Uh, I think Atlanta fans will be trying to pull for the Scarlet Knights as things go along to make sure that win finishes in the quad one category. On the note of pulling for some Big Ten teams, uh, a 217 did say, uh, cannot root for Indiana or Michigan State. I tried, but how can we be sure that we can beat either of those on their home court? I will tell you, uh, as I would know, as someone that loves the trip to Bloomington, I think more than anybody, um, <laughs> they are not going there this year. 
So uh, you don't have to worry about playing at IU and getting a win. I can inform you and assure you uh, that is still something I'm sad about. Although, you know, if it was on the schedule this year, it probably would be a schedule conflict for me anyway because I'll miss some road trips because my daughter's on the way, so. I would um, like to see how that goes. Like, he says, I tried. Like, the texter says, I tried. Like, you think it's, like, the first media timeout? It's like, no, I'm done. Can't do it. <laughs> Not today. I, I did my best. Not in on it. And you can, they, you can blame me. I, I offered it up. Uh, I, I wrote my column late last week. And, and yeah, some have, have tried to do the old, old takes exposed, Piper. You were dogging the Big Ten, said they weren't strong enough. And one weekend, and I, obviously I was proven wrong. Uh, although they do only have, as you noted earlier today, they, they still only have three teams ranked in the AP uh, top 25 in comparison to six for the Big 12, four for the ACC. Um, I, I still think there's more work to be done to – put a team like Illinois in a great position as far as a resume building the next couple of months throughout the rest of the league play. But yeah, I think that uh, maybe just the, the instincts set in like Indiana got off the hot. So I thought Indiana played really well. Yes. That was one of the first games there. The first game on Saturday on CBS and uh, a raucous environment. They jump on Kansas early. They really were in a good spot. I don't know how many minutes they led of that game, but it seemed like, most of, if not all of the first half, a decent chunk in the second half, let it slip late. Trey Galloway played really well. Uh, Malik Renew played well in that one as well. Um, and still they were without Xavier Johnson and almost got that thing done. But, uh, yeah, Illini fans, knowing as a guy that, that grew up as one and was born here in Champaign, there's still something really deeply ingrained about Indiana that maybe you just – all you got to see is that place go nuts uh, early in that game. You're like, nah, I'm not, I'm not rooting for this. I like to imagine. It's like 11, 15. No, I guess that game was at 11.30, so it's about 11.45. It's like, no, I'm done here. No more <laughs> no more hoping for Indiana. And now Sorry, all, Piper, I, I tried. A lot but... of Bill Self fans on from 11.30 to 2 o'clock in Champaign on Saturday. Yeah, Sunday. but Saturday? see, Saturday, yeah. But if you're going to ride with Bill Self and the Jayhawks, if you're cool with that, which I know some might – might not be either, but you also got to hop on the the Hunter Dickinson train too. So, um, oh, maybe, so many conflicting emotions for people. Maybe, on Saturday. You know, <laughs> I hope they both lose, which unfortunately uh, cannot happen for those that would be rooting for that. It didn't matter if you were rooting for or against Michigan State before you knew it. They were up oh, twenty goodness. in that game and just completely shelled Baylor, uh, number six in the country. They were nine and zero, a big get right spot for Michigan State. Uh, Does it feel like they have one of those? At this time every year. Yeah. Yeah. Cause tr- now, maybe it's earlier if they lose in the Champions Classic. It was by, similar last year. Now, but like, do you think this team takes – and now I think this was kind of a really big get right because the first part of the season was not very good for Michigan State. Well, who is the real Michigan State, Derek? Are, are they mm. the team that was – are they closer to the team that was overranked coming into the season or are they closer to what they've shown in this first month? That's a great question. Uh, you know, they hadn't beaten anybody leading into that game against Baylor. Uh, really, all their their marquee matchups, the Duke game, the Arizona game, Wisconsin, and then they lost at Nebraska. They had lost. Uh, they, they did beat Butler, but Butler, yeah, they're okay. Uh, lost, of course, in the opener against James Madison. So, uh, I still like I, – I really like their guard play. Like, even – Regardless of the fact that Tyson Walker's barely got any help, I, I think that A.J. Hogard obviously still has enough of a sample size to be like, if he figures it out, he's that, that downhill point guard that can get to the rim, that can play fast, and uh, obviously dish it out as well. Uh, 
is the shooting going to come around collectively enough without Joey Hauser? Like, I, I know that I don't expect, I don't know what his, his season long stats are. Like, Jaden Akins, Jaden Akins last year was a 40% three point shooter. This year, he's only at 30%. So there's been a fall off there. Uh, what my biggest criticism of them continues to be their front court. And I don't think it's going to get any better unless Xavier Booker comes on, seems to be in, in Tom Izzo's doghouse, maybe destined for the transfer portal. I don't know if it's going to happen. That's been an interesting story to watch, right? Because Michigan State, I feel like, aren't or isn't usually in that. Where are the freshmen conversation? Yeah, right. Like, I feel like they somehow avoid that every single year. But this year, like, we follow enough Big Ten reporters or we kind of see some of this on social. Like, that's been a big question is – is where is Xavier Booker? Jeremy Fears, obviously, old friend alert uh, from, from <laughs> Illinois. Like, I, I just, I don't, maybe I'm wrong, but I don't feel like that's usually a conversation at this time of the year for Michigan State. It, it seems to me it's always like the late January. It's like, and Michigan State freshman, insert name, is starting to come on late in the season. And, and now he could he be something down the stretch? And that conversation got boosted up of six weeks. It definitely did. Yeah. And I, I just, there's something brewing there underneath the surface. Like, I, there was a situation, it was the exhibition game or maybe one of their early non-conference games that he didn't play in and Izzo kind of offhanded mentioned, you know, well, he was late for a shoot-around or missed shoot-around and uh, I think he played his way into the doghouse fairly early and obviously he's had a hard time getting out of it. But for them to roll with Matty Sissoko and Carson Cooper as their, their five men, I, I think that's going to hurt them. Uh, based on the way the Big Ten sets up, I would not be surprised if Michigan State still finds a way to be a top-five team in the league. Uh but I think that it's interesting. Like I think that there's some of the some of the flaws that they've shown early. Part of it, you know, Malik Hall is not going to be, in my opinion, a a marquee type of player. They've been searching for that for years, and I just don't think it's going to be who he is. Uh, probably underrated how much Joey Hauser brought to them last year. How much they were going to miss it. And uh, anytime if, if Tyson Walker has an off night, they're in big trouble. So uh, I, I'm kind of in between on it. I think that they'll. I would expect them to make the tournament, uh, and I think that obviously ba beating Baylor like that, it was a big push step back towards that. Um, but the great news for Illinois is going into the weekend, if things were – and look, there was still a lot of basketball we played, but as the net rankings stated going into the weekend, winning at the Izone would have been a quad two, and beating them in Champaign would have been a quad three. Now it's stepped up to where you win in East Lansing. As of right now, quad one, as you'd expect – beating him here in Champaign early January, quad two. Um, so that's that's good news for Illinois, go, as far as Illinois goes. Quad two and quad three games against Michigan State it's, feels so strange to me. sounds so wrong. Yeah, it, it's, it sounds incredibly wrong. And we, we talk about the, the, the net rankings and the quad wins because the year that Illinois had the one seed, like you wrote it, Derek, and, and it's been discussed, they, they had the most quad one wins of anyone. Isn't that, is that correct? Did. Yeah. Yep, they had 12. So, like, I get it. It's just, just another thing to monitor. But, like, that, that's where it matters is it helps – it really does help you in that resume-building conversation and what that seed looks like as you go in. And, you know, you're trying to – your column went trying to pick on the Big Ten, but if there's a seed line difference here because some of these games that should be quad one or quad two games are, in, as you mentioned, quad two or three, like, that changes the, the resume a little bit. You don't get points just because it's Michigan State. You, know, you get points based on net rankings right. in, in that sense. So that that's why this is a conversation – Probably, you know, if you don't care about it, probably jump in later in January. If that, if, True. if you, if you don't yeah. want to go on the full season net rankings ride, um, but but it is something to monitor. It's it's an interesting discussion given 
what the Big Ten has looked like through six weeks. Yeah, I don't, I don't think anybody, even if you wanted to show up on Saturday or Sunday and be like, ha-ha, Piper, you look like an idiot, which is fine. I do. Got, I, I enjoy it. That's I do. a part of my Saturday and Sunday <laughs> tradition there. I do sometimes, <laughs> um, you know, get there. But, um, like, you're kidding yourself if you can make an argument that prior to last weekend the Big Ten was doing well as a whole. Yeah. Yeah, and, as a whole, and like, you don't even need the net rankings to tell you. No. That's why I sent our, our group chat today. I said, "Oh, three teams in the AP top twenty-five, and Wisconsin is down in like twenty-two. So it's one thirteen, and I think twenty-two for 23. Wisconsin, twenty-three. Yep. That's not what we've. I say it's not what we've grown used to seeing, but kind of recently, maybe is. Last but two years, it goes yeah. contrary to when you hear every Big Ten coach step in front of a microphone <laughs> and say, "Listen, best league in the country." And there was a year that Brad Underwood said it a lot like more than he usually does. Uh-huh. And there was merit to it. Like if you went on the Ken Palm rankings and looked at uh, the conference rankings, however much stock you want to put into that, I can't remember if that was the one seed year or if that was the COVID cancellation year. Is in that, I think it was in that window. Well, if it was the one seed year, you had Illinois as a one seed, Michigan as a one so seed, been Ohio year. State as a two seed, Iowa as a two seed. It would have been that year then. It would be hard to think it wasn't yeah. that year. Uh, but if it wasn't, it should have been that. Year. Right, but but that's been the, the, as you wrote the company line, like, hey, it's the best league in the country, but it really hasn't been in, in the last two years, more or less. And you see that, and it's now that the narrative, the conversation around Big Ten success in the NCAA tournament is louder and louder and louder, and it gets more and more and more merit with, with every single year. So it's interesting, man. But the the thought of uh, as to go back to the thought of. Two and three, quad two, quad three, with Michigan State as the opponent in either of those categories is impossible to wrap your head around. Yeah, and to reference back to the original text, like like you mentioned, going to Michigan State is still going to be a tall task because you know playing in the Big Ten on the road is very, very hard. That's a great environment, and you want it to be a situation where in a normal season you'd expect you lose that game, it doesn't hurt you, and you win it, and it means a lot. And prior to this game for Michigan State beating Baylor to get back just to 500 on the season to actually have a win that matters on their resume, that was what you were staring at. It was going to be an off year where – and look, again, you still had all the rest of December, January. Like, as those teams have figured it out later, although I'd still point back to, you know, he's a, a guy that like over the last three or four seasons is like 500 in the Big Ten. So this is a different Michigan State than what Izzo had rolling for – a long period of time, but still you want it to be a situation where beating Michigan state means something on your resume, not just for the name, but because what the computer metrics are going to run and say, okay, that's, that's a quad one win for Illinois. And with this step forward, it, it is going to be a nice uh, move towards that. And we'll see if Michigan state can, can build on this and stay in that range. Uh, Ohio state winning mm-hmm. you know, their quad one, their quad one type of game. But I mean, yeah, it, it's life on the big 10 is still going to be, Probably tough because it's just just the way it goes. We'll see if Maryland can bounce back or whether the, the, or whether they're broken or not. I the don't computer know. reward just isn't as sweet. Like it's still yeah. hard, but the computer yeah. reward isn't as sweet. Like exactly. when you get into March, the computer reward is what you're after. Exactly. So uh, yeah, but so uh, I do want to reference Brian's text on the U of I line. Like text line said was at the Purdue Arizona game on Saturday. Great game. Uh, Left thinking you can't focus on Edie. Don't let their guards go off. Got Arizona close after being down as much as 17 was their 3-2 zone with a couple of reserves on the wing. Uh, they cut it to two. I wish Brad could put that in his bag of tricks. Sometimes you got to try something different. Produce guards 
were dominant versus man-to-man. This Purdue team, and I know it's it's what everybody's saying, and I, but I got to agree. Like last year, there were kind of alarm bells going off. Like, look, this team's winning a ton of games. Wouldn't want to face them if I were anybody in the Big Ten. But getting into the tournament, because of the freshman guards, because of just the way that maybe you could they, – they weren't shooting the three as well last year. They, they gave off the vibe of they're not really number one in the country, are they? They're, they're not really a team that's going to go to the Final Four, are they? This year, they look like it. They, I mean, they beat their, – their five best wins. They have five quad one wins already, speaking of the note of the net. Uh, and they've beaten Tennessee. They've beaten Can- – they beat Kansas? They didn't play Kansas. They beat uh, Gonzaga, Tennessee, Marquette, Bama, and Arizona. And their guard play with Braden Smith now being a sophomore, with Fletcher Lawyer being a sophomore, those guys obviously have another a year under their belt. They've matured. Uh, Smith looks fantastic breaking things down off the bounce. Fletcher can score. I mean, he had 20-something, 20 27, I think, in that game against Tennessee. And then Lance Jones has been a nice addition from SIU. So uh, they look like very much the real deal. And what's great from Illinois' standpoint is they get to play him twice. You get two cracks at him to try to – Get a really, really nice win on your resume. Yeah, let's let's talk about the first one because it's in. I'm not good at math. Two weeks. Yeah, give or take. It's Missouri, Fairleigh Dickinson, Northwestern at Purdue. At Purdue, which has you, you know, if Illinois takes care of business, that has top ten matchup written mm, all over. Yeah. On a, is that a Friday night? It's a Friday night. Friday night in West Lafayette. That the place I mean, won't be jumping, will it? I don't. Who could say? Um, <laughs> it, it's going to be a heck of an environment. That that is, I know Missouri is Missouri, and everyone wants to beat Missouri. If you're an Illinois fan, I'm zoned in on that because that is. I mean, that's going to tell us an awful lot. I think Illinois is the second best team. I don't think the outcome of that is going to make me change one way or the other uh, in that stance. But that is a very very high level game coming up very very quickly. And you know, you go from okay the the week of F, of Rutgers, FAU, Tennessee, and then you have. You know, Colgate and, and Mizzou and Fairleigh Dickinson, it's like, okay, and then boom, like you're back in a top 10 matchup. And that is, we're going to learn a lot about Illinois, Derek, in that game, in that environment, going on the road against Purdue. That, that's going to be telling. It's not going to change how we view the team, I don't think, but, but I think there's going to be a, more than you can take from that than anything we've seen to this point. Yeah, that's a huge game. And if you were to win that one, man. That's... But that wouldn't vault Illinois to the top team in the Big Ten, in my mind, would it to you? Probably not. Now, it, it would do more. It would give than- Purdue two losses in the league versus Illinois if they beat Northwestern. All of a sudden, they'd be three and zero. So you'd be like technically two games up yeah, on the yeah. Boilers. I'm not saying that they would then win the league, but that would be a huge step forward. I mean, you'd still get them in Champaign too. I, I wouldn't without without having seen it, obviously, but just kind of the notion of what if Illinois does outplay them on one night? Would I then say Illinois is definitely better than Purdue? I I probably wouldn't. Right. And but, I also don't think I would think they're the third best team based on the outcome of that either. Like I, right, I'm very yeah. sold for a while on them being the second best team in the Big Ten. I agree with that. I do look at, and one thing that has come to mind, and we'll obviously have time to to break it down as we get there, but uh, a Wisconsin squad that went in early in January, early in the resumption of Big Ten play with Johnny Davis. And Johnny Davis went up against uh, Jaden Ivey and owned the matchup own the night, and beat a Purdue team that everybody thought was the best team in the Big Ten, if not the best team in the country. And that really was the the, the start of the real momentum of, of Johnny Davis maybe being the yeah. national player of the year, the Good Big point. Ten player of the year. Maybe Terrence can be that guy. 
for Illinois. Right. What, if, what if that's Terrence's yeah. moment to do that? So uh, Illinois has some games before they get there, but that has a chance to to set up that way. Uh, we're due for one more break. Uh, hit us up on the text line, 217-359-2255. You got any thoughts? Talking Big Ten, talking Illinois, Purdue. Uh, we got one more segment after this to finish things up. This is The Drive. Ah, the holidays, the time of the year when gifts come in and stuff goes into the garage. You can leave that stuff there just for now or schedule Two Men in a Truck junk removal to come out and remove it for you. Two Men in a Truck has multiple solutions. If the just for now stuff isn't needed, we can junk it. If it's items you need later, we can store the just for now stuff until later. Has your just for now become more than you anticipated? Two Men in a Truck has solutions for your residential and commercial junk removal at Two Men Champagne. Have you ever wondered why you pay your bank to have a checking account with them? We do too. At Fisher National Bank, we offer free checking accounts that reward you to bank with us. Our rewards cashback checking offers 2.02% cash back on debit card purchases up to $500 monthly. No service fees or balance requirements needed to earn rewards. For a free checking account that pays you back, simply make 12 debit card purchases, receive electronic statements, and have one direct deposit within a monthly cycle. It's so simple. We bet you're doing most of these things already. With Rewards Cashback Checking, you have access to Reward Saver, which earns 4.07 annual percentage yield on balances up to 20000 Reward yourself with free Rewards Cashback Checking and Reward Saver, a few of the many ways Fisher National Bank invests in our customers. See monthly requirements at any branch or fishernational.com. Fisher National Bank. Exceptional communities. Exceptional people. Member FDIC. Mom, she won't stop touching me. Broccoli stinks. Guys, no phones at the table. Family dinner time? Not easy. But you know what is easy? OSF On-Call Urgent Care. When you need convenient, affordable care for minor illnesses and injuries, you need OSF On-Call Urgent Care. Be seen in person or connect 24-7 online when and where you need it. Learn more at osfoncall.org slash urgentcare. So when was the last time you saw a best deal guarantee? You mean a promise that actually held up? Right. That some unknown online entity didn't want you to log in and download a code and then re-verify as you join some club? Drives you nuts, I know. And then once you purchase that set of steak knives? Well, Dick Van Dyke Appliance World is a lot simpler. You find a verified great deal and they beat it. Just show them the deal you saw. A newspaper clipping or the online cart price will do, and then you're good. At Dick Van Dyke Appliance World, it's one of those instances where you see a best deal guarantee and... You get the best deal. This is Dennis Rekin, chairman of Dick Van Dyke Appliance World. Our exclusive 10-year protection plan comes free with most appliance purchases. Whether it's a GE, Whirlpool, Frigidaire, Bosch, or any of our 30 brands, I guarantee we will beat any competitor's deal. Wow! Hi, this is Chris Jackson with Kramer Siding and Window, and we're proud to be your choice for the 2021 People's Choice Awards for the third year in a row. We want to say thank you by offering buy one, get one 50% off on all windows. And you can save 10% on roofing, sunrooms, and decks. So call today or visit us at KramerSiding.com. And remember, at Kramer Siding and Window, you have a friend in the business. 
Illini fans, taste what's special about Jets Pizza by ordering any of their specialty pizzas for $5 off. That's right, save $5 on all specialty pizzas like the barbecue chicken pizza, chicken grill to perfection, premium mozzarella cheese, bacon, red onion, and BBQ sauce. All piled onto Jets amazing crust made from dough they make fresh every day. There's also their super special all meaty chicken bacon ranch and more, all $5 off. Make your day special and order a Jets specialty pizza for $5 off. Ah, the holidays, the time of the year when gifts come in and stuff goes into the garage. You can leave that stuff there just for now or schedule two men in a truck junk removal to come out and remove it for you. Two men in a truck has multiple solutions. If the just for now stuff isn't needed, we can junk it. If it's items you need later, we can store the just for now stuff until later. Has your just for now become more than you anticipated? Two men in a truck has solutions for your residential and commercial junk removal at two men champagne. The hammering, the sawing, the drilling, all the sounds of the workplace from music to our ears. You can be a part of construction projects, large and small, as a Carpenters Local 243 member. Learn to excel with apprentice and journeyman training. Members enjoy all the benefits this internationally recognized union has to offer. It's a life-changing decision. Join the local 243 family tradition. Contact Carpenters Local 243 at 217-356-5463. When you make the right decision, it feels good, like picking the perfect accent rug or choosing a good night's sleep over an all-night crime show binge. It feels really good to make the right insurance decision, too. That's why State Farm Agent Kurt Lenschow is right here in Champaign-Urbana to help you select the right protection at the right price. Kurt will make sure you understand your State Farm coverages so you'll know what to expect if the unexpected happens. Just call him when you want the real deal. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Here's what somebody recently said at Pards in Urbana. I was there just a few minutes and somebody came up and asked if I needed help. And they were incredible, helped me find the size of boot I needed. And then I bought a second pair too. Everything was friendly, everything was excellent. Visit Pards in Urbana, 206 North Maple, between Maine and University in Urbana. It's Pards Western Shop since 1968. Or go online and visit pards.com, pards.com. I've got to clean out this garage. Let's see. What's the cheapest and easiest dumpster service in our area? 